This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to episode three of Four People with Bishop Wright. I'm your host, Matthew Bowers, and I'm here with Bishop Rob Wright. Just a reminder, this podcast is a conversation about faith for people. Every week, we dig deeper into Bishop Wright's 100-word weekly meditation on faith and life, and you can click the link in the episode description to read that. We're joining you today on Good Friday, and we're talking about three of the more important days of the Christian life. And I guess my question to start off with, Bishop, is especially in the times that we're going on and and being in now, why not just jump straight to Easter? I mean, we all want that, hallelujah, he has risen. We we need that kind of moment of relief, especially in the times that we're in right now. So, So why not just jump straight to that? That is sort of the impulse for lots of folks. Uh, is to sort of blow right past um, loss, the loss of Good Friday and the, uh, and the silence and the not knowing the outcome of Saturday and get right into Easter. But the thing about it is, is that life is not like that. I mean, I think that uh, uh, in the Christian faith, Friday, Saturday and Sunday should be taken as a whole and they represent a blueprint of how we actually live. We actually do experience loss. We actually do experience death. We actually do experience betrayal. And so Jesus is friend because he gives us a blueprint and a pattern. We, we have coordinates, reliable coordinates, and we know we're not lost as we watch his drama and as we participate with him in his drama. And uh, I, I think it's one of the most human stories that uh, has ever been written. It, it, it takes us into the uh, sort of over the contours of the real of real life, uh, and, and so we're not lost. We're not abandoned. We have someone who's been a pioneer, and we follow along in those steps, and we get an appreciation. I think when we go through the loss, and when we when we acknowledge loss, and when we acknowledge how disorienting silence is, uh, we we get uh, the gift. And the gift at the end of that is actually Hallelujah. Is actually Easter. Is actually you know, that two-second win when the game was was thought to be lost. And, and, and I think that that is the real, that's the real world. That's the real life. That's the real journey. And, uh, and uh, so this three days uh, gives us an opportunity to walk that, that lonesome road, but that tried and true road uh, with Jesus. Depending on what your background is, you, you might have three different names for those days. Um, and there's a lot of names thrown around. And I'm curious, what, what names do you attach those to those days? Well, people, people talk in, in terms of those three days. They talk in terms of Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday. Those are sort of the traditional big three. I always like to add, though, what we call Monday, Thursday. Monday is just simply a Latin word that Jesus gave us a mandate. And uh, on the night before his actual crucifixion, uh, Jesus uh, sat down uh, to a, a dinner with his friends uh, and uh, got up from the dinner uh, and then uh, tied a, uh, a towel around his waist and washed the feet of his friends. And he said, do what I am doing. Uh, you want to know my spirituality? It's about service to neighbor. And so it's really four days, but uh, people are really, uh, you know, sort of tuned in to the three days, which are our, end up being our most holy days in the Christian faith. And so they, they, as I said before, they come as a whole. They are three different movements in a beautiful symphony uh, called real life. And, uh, and when we walk closely, we learn a lot about God. We learn a lot about what Jesus actually did, said, and we learn a lot about ourselves. And we find a resource uh, 
uh, for our own living as we encounter loss and as we encounter disorienting silence and as we sort of are uh, are gifted to know what it feels like to be resurrected, situations reversed. So in this time of quarantine, in this time of, you know, where you can't just drive 10 minutes to a church and, and go to a service. Um, how do you experience those during this time? You know, uh, because of Corona, the coronavirus, this is the lentiest Lent we've ever Lented. <laughs> and, uh, and, it, and it may be that this is the ho- holiest Holy Week we've ever holied. Uh, in, in that we are, uh, you know, this Good Friday, uh, Holy Saturday and Easter Sunday business for us is not an intellectual act exercise. We are not sitting at quite the distance from these ideas as we, as we sort of used to. Now, because we're, we're confronted with loss, I've had friends who have had loved ones, even parents to die, uh, and they've experienced profound loss and yet are, are, are even robbed of the, uh, of the opportunity of, of being close with, with loved ones who are dying. They can't even get to funerals, can't even get to memorial services. Everything has stopped. The loss is profound. The grief is real. It's not an intellectual exercise. Um, and then there's the Holy Saturday, which is the sort of most important feature of Holy Saturday, is silence. What do we do in the silence? Um, if you want to know, uh, you know, sort of the, the, what, the, what your faith is made of, um, you have to sort of live with silence. Uh, you, you know, it, that's sort of revealed in our silence. When we feel like there's no answer coming from God, uh, you know, and that over a bit of time, um, how we live in that silence reveals a lot about um, our, our relationship with God, uh, our relationship with despair, our relationship with fear, our relationship with faith. Uh, and so, yeah, we've been sitting at some intellectual distance um, from some of these ideas. But now, because of COVID-19, these things are sort of uh, very present, uh, very urgent, very intense for us. The velocity of these ideas is coming at us. And so in many ways, uh, uh, you know, I pray that uh, having been the Lentiest Lent and the Holiest Holy Week, uh, my prayer is that we're having, we're going to have the Easter, you know, the most Easterish Easter, um, in that we'll, we'll have some uh, uh, revelation about the power of this idea that God raised Jesus from the dead and that, and that reversal is possible with God, that God somehow can make all things work together for God's righteous purposes. This is Easter, that God intervenes, that God refuses to be told to sit down and shut up, that God refuses to be put in a, put in a cave with a, with a stone and with guards over it, that God is God and God is an actor. And God is not simply just sort of a, a watchmaker who set things in motion and sort of uh, sitting at great seats and watching the whole drama play out, but that God intervenes, that God uses power for mercy. Uh, these are the ideas that give us our hallelujah on Sunday. But these ideas, this experience, Easter experience, comes at a high price. I mean, you, you've got to acknowledge loss. A lot of people would just rather deny loss or uh, you know, uh, use euphemism when it comes to loss or just, you know, just immediately adopt despair. And all of those are understandable coping mechanisms, but they always uh, give short shrift to the Easter that we say we want, to the hallelujah that we say we want, to the sort of welcoming back the joy that we say we want. You've got to confront it. And I think that, uh, I think that this story with its betrayal by a friend, Judas, and uh, by a friend, Peter, in, in the public square, a, a profound betrayal and the cruelty 
of, uh, of the soldiers who attended Jesus's crucifixion and the indifference of the politicians uh, who, who gave him his sentence and the fearfulness of the clergy uh, and the fickleness of the crowd. All of that is real life. All of that seems like it's snatched right off of the news. And, uh, and, so, uh, and so, you know, we have in this story uh, a real, serious, honest, earnest conversation about the, the, the components of a real life and the components of a real faith. And nevertheless, how God chooses to be God and all of that. We're going to get into the four faith questions, but first let's take a small break and we'll be right back with you. If you're enjoying Four People with Bishop Rob Wright, we encourage you to subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. So what's so good about Good Friday? Right. I mean, that's a, that's an excellent question. I mean, for some of us, it's that we got a day off, right? And for, <laughs> for some of us, it was that, you know, we use that day to get some shopping done in anticipation of Easter. For some, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they came close to their various houses of worship and, and, uh, and walked along that lonesome road with Jesus and, and, and told that story. We call it the passion or did the stations of the cross where they sort of marked various, uh, movements in the drama but but um but it's it's good because uh because god can use loss it's good to be honest about loss it's 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 good to know you have a friend in loss it's good to know that we are not abandoned even in our most um disorienting times our most shameful times uh it's good to know that god uh, knows um, that the innocent have suffered and that God is alongside of us in our loss. It's good to know uh, that uh, that God has tipped the universe towards love and mercy and justice. It's good to know that God is still God in the middle of, of, uh, of the most tragic losses. I mean, look, Jesus was uh, lynched uh, outside of the city walls on a garbage dump in front of his mother, uh, just in time so that people could reconvene religious services. And, and so his low, uh, remember, re- re- uh, represents for us, uh, no matter how low we go or we fall or we are taken, uh, that, that God is with us there. And, and so God goes deep and so that we can know that even in the deep of our life, we have a friend. So that's, that's the good. The, the good is, is that we are not abandoned. We are not lost. We are not, uh, uh, we are not as Dr. King used to say, we're not simply flotsam and jetsam. Uh, we are beloved and we are precious in God's eyes and God is working God's plan out. And is it difficult to understand? Yes. And is it painful? Yes. And does it hurt? Yes. And still there's God. It isn't just, we went to bed to all this pain, all of this hurt, all of these awful things. And then, boom, the next day, Jesus is back like nothing had happened. Um, Saturday is a day of reflection, both, I believe, to the past of what has happened and to the future of what is going to happen. Where do you see Saturday getting lost in the mix? I mean, it's not everyone's not silent on, on Saturdays. You know, silence in the sense of, like, we need to take inventory of our faith 
during that silence. And and people use that for Easter egg hunts and getting ready for cooking and that's right. Easter meal. Um, that's right. So, you know, where, why, why should people hold Saturday as to not just a day between good Friday and Easter Sunday? Well, sure. I mean, I, I understand the practical pieces of all of that. And, and still, I, I would recommend to people to, to hold vigil on Saturday as much as you can, uh, make it quiet. Don't fill it with busyness and, and sort of practical things. I think that one of the things that we can do on Saturday is pray. I mean, you and I were born on this side of the resurrection. Uh, but, but that first Easter, uh, people had no idea. I mean, people were, were, were sort of giving themselves over to despair. Uh, other people had given themselves over to shame. Judas gave himself over to suicide. Um, there, there, is, there is something about the silence uh, that can 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 both sort of tear us down and at the same time build us up. I, I think part of a life with God is really developing uh, competency about silence. You know, what do you do when the when the answer to the prayer doesn't come quickly? What do you do uh, when it seems like God is not given an answer? What do you do um, when you're not sure about what the outcome is going to be? I, I think if we're talking about spiritual maturity. Uh, I think we have to talk about uh, how do we deal with silence, um, you know, and, and I think that, uh, you know, part of God's sort of genius way of being God is, is that sometimes the silence is part of the spiritual muscle building program. Uh, all of the people that I would say are mature people of faith have had to work with that silence at some point, and it has been uh, an absolute foundational piece for them. I mean, they filled themselves with lots of information, know sort of scriptures and, you know, uh, regular members uh, at congregations and in worship houses. But nevertheless, in those quiet moments of our own heart, of our own longing, of our own yearning, there's a time for all of us when we feel like God is not answered, where we feel like our prayers have not gone higher than our ceiling. And so what do you do there? Unfortunately, some people say uh, that's evidence for them that God is not real. And then still there are others who press forward. This is what I like about the Psalms. Uh, the Psalms in the Bible are a great resource for us, especially as we think about silence, the holy silence of, of Holy Saturday, uh, because uh, you know every sort of uh, possible response to that silence is all in the Psalms. God, why have you forsaken me? Even Jesus himself uses this word. God's way of being God, it seems, from Scripture is, is sort of not to use certainty, but to always use faith. And faith is made more pure uh, in seasons of silence. And so uh, th- that first Easter, they didn't know that Jesus was going to get up from the, from the grave. Uh, he had said that he would. Uh, but at the cross, to hear him pray and to hear him cry out for certainty, we weren't sure at that point. Uh, but uh, they endured the silence. Uh, they huddled together. There was fellowship there. They were honest about their fears in that silence. And nevertheless, on that next day, God did an extraordinary thing. And so I, I think that uh, if we want to grow up, uh, as, as St. Paul says, in the full stature of Christ, we're going to have to sort of look at uh, our science. I think that that's one of the most disorienting things right now that's happening with COVID-19 is that people are struggling to deal with silence. People are struggling to deal with no answer. People are struggling to deal with uh, uh, uncertainty. And I'm hoping that uh, for the people of faith, this is our time where we realize, oh, 
we've had some practice at this. We have some ideas about this. We have a lexicon for this. And they're starting to experience uh, the resource of faith, uh, you know, in the real world now. What, what can we say about Easter during this time? I mean, it looks, it feels, it, we experience it differently during this time. But Easter is still Easter. Easter still has that power. It still is the story and feeling of resurrection, both in the physical sense of Jesus rising from the, from, from the grave, from death, being resurrected. But there's also, I believe, resurrection in the world around us. And I wonder where we can find or where we can see that resurrection in light of the physical resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think that, um, you know, uh, it's God who raised Jesus from the dead, right? Sometimes we think yeah. maybe just sort of Jesus just chose, oh, it's, you know, sort of six o'clock. I think I'll get up now. <laughs> no, it, it's, it was God exerting God's power to raise Jesus from the dead. And so, uh, you know, every generation, you know, thereafter is a steward of, of that reality, of that idea, and of that power. And, and, you know, God has really gifted us with this notion and, and to be stewards of this idea because we, we are the placeholders of that in the world. We're, we're the people that, that, that get to say, because we have some sense of that from Scripture and our tradition, uh, we get to point, there it is, there it is, there it is, there it is. Uh, you know, God is, is, is subtle. Uh, oftentimes, and, and 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 nevertheless, God is present, and so we find Easter uh, alive and well now. Uh, oftentimes, uh, in the lives of the people who dance to its rhythm, uh, I was I was uh, called to console someone the other day whose whose parent had died, and uh, it was it was a profound loss for for this person because the, their their parent died alone, and they had promised it to the parent, "You'll never die alone," and and because of COVID-19 and the restrictions, they were unable to be there in the room while, while the parent uh, uh, breathed their last breath. And, and, and that loss was profound. And it was almost in that phone call, these very marks that we're talking about today. So in that phone call was an honesty about the grief uh, and maybe even tinged with a little bit of guilt and, and a little bit of powerlessness. Uh, and then the, the conversation moved into a bit of silence. And it was a holy sort of silence where, where it, sort of the person was owning their feelings. And, and, and I didn't have a platitude or, you know, uh, a Bible verse sort of, you know, sort of thrown in the mix of that at that time would have been inappropriate or trite. So we, we, we just held that silence together. And then the most remarkable thing happened after that. Well, this person began then to use the faith that had been in them for many, many decades and said, but I know. That uh, that my my parent is with God, and I am already beginning to see the signs of um, the parent's voice. Uh, uh, I can hear the parent's voice uh, in in you know in in sort of real ways. I can hear their their continued love for me. I can so so. I guess what I'm saying is is that for some people who are requiring empirical evidence of the resurrection, I think you're always going to be frustrated. But I, I think. For those of us who understand that, that resurrection is a, is a spiritual uh, reality, I, I think that uh, we get to see it on display at regular intervals. We get to see this, this day one, day two, day three movement. And, and I've seen this in people who are grieving. I've seen this, uh, you know, after divorces. I've seen this in family brokenness. I've seen in, in communities 
uh, where there was no hope. Uh, you know, I see it in the medical workers now who are working and laboring uh, and giving themselves away uh, to service to neighbor. Uh, and they're doing this for what reason? Because they believe that because of their faith and their exertion and their skill and expertise, this better day is going to be won. And I think that some people, at least the people I've talked to, realize that that better day is not just sort of the sum total of their efforts and skill, but there's some sort of tailwind that they're plugging into. You know, uh, if you're talking in terms of wind, uh, there's a warm breeze, uh, uh, you know, in the sky called a thermal. Uh, if you're talking about the ocean, there's a sort of, there's this sort of thread uh, we call a current in, in the larger body of water. And I think when we're talking about resurrection, we're talking about this sort of thread in reality, that God's available power, God's power is available to us uh, in this notion called resurrection. And Jesus ends up being the very first fruit of this and shows us the way towards it. So Bishop, last words for us today on Good Friday, heading towards Holy Saturday and continuing on to Easter. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so my, my, my last thoughts are, are an invitation. Uh, I'm inviting all of us to sort of walk that road with Jesus. Uh, take some time, turn off the TV, turn off Netflix, and, and read his story. Uh, uh, see how human it is. Uh, uh, see how love uh, can absorb uh, the worst indignities. Um, carve some time out for yourself uh, on Saturday. Spend some time in silence. Uh, let your mind wander. Uh, uh, find a Bible verse that anchors your thoughts, some short thing that reveals uh, how God has been present to so many generations of people just like us who have struggled. Uh, and then uh, when Easter comes, even though we can't gather in sanctuaries, uh, get outside uh, give God thanks for life and for strength. Give God thanks for all the blessings uh, that you have. Uh, make it Easter wherever you are. Uh, get some flowers, put them on your table. Uh, say uh, prayers of praise and gratitude over your Easter Sunday meal. Uh, I love the way the queen uh, most recently said, and we shall meet again. And, and that's my Easter hope. We will meet again. So chin up. Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Wash your hands. Be encouraged. That's all for this episode of Four People with Bishop Wright. We hope you enjoyed listening. If you did, please subscribe to us so you can stay up to date on when new episodes are posted. And if you want to reach out to the podcast, follow the Bishop on social media. We look forward to joining you next week.